Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. I remember this guy called me one time to ask about hell because he didn't believe in it. He did not think that God would do such a thing as send someone to hell, and he wanted to argue about it. And I showed him the Bible verses. And no matter how many times I showed him the Bible verses, he wanted to argue that it wasn't real, but it was in the Bible. In Matthew thirteen forty one says, The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will gather out of the kingdom all things that offend, and those who practice lawlessness, and will cast them into the furnace of fire. Okay, so in the book of Luke, we have a situation where Jesus was confronted by these unbelieving Pharisees. They were caught up in scriptural gymnastics. They had it all, the word of God, all twisted up, and they demanded that Jesus give them signs and wonders. The word of God was not cutting it for them. They did not believe in the word of God. No, no more scripture. Show us a sign and a miracle and then we'll believe. So Luke 16 is where Jesus starts telling them a story to show them who they were, their unbelief, their rejection of God's word. Jesus was going to tell them a story to show them, the Pharisees, where they were at in all of this. In Luke 16 and 19, a story called Lazarus and the Rich Man. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. Okay, I'm going to stop there already because we got a lot to get out of this one passage, okay? Purple in that day, it was a very difficult color to manufacture. I've got like a bluish shirt on right now. Chemists today, they can make dyes out of chemicals that is a whole lot easier to produce than what they did back then. In ancient times, dye makers, they had to hunt for thousands of this particular type of a snail that they would use to extract something out of the snail to produce a purple coloring, a purple dye. And just one single pound of wool, it costs more money than what the average worker could produce in one full year. It was that high. Only the wealthiest people could afford purple clothing. And they would wear purple to display their high status, their their stature in life and their wealth. Look at me in my purple. I'm royal or I'm super rich. Typically, only the royal were rich enough to buy this sort of stuff. And so it says that this man also wore fine linen for his underclothing. Basically, his underwear was not just typical undergarments. It was the highest fabric for underwear, okay? And it says he fared sumptuously every day. That means he ate the best food that was available. If you live in my area of Texas, you would say it's better than brisket, it's better than beef fajitas, it's better than a ribeye steak, okay? This was the best of the best food. 
He fared sumptuously. He ate top of the line, high-end dining for every meal that he had. It's obvious that this man spent all of his wealth on himself. It's my money. It's all about me. God must love me, right? Luke 16, verse 20. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. Okay, so you got this rich man. He he blew his money on himself. He's blowing it everywhere, eating good, the best clothing, the best everything, showing it off, wearing purple. Look at me. Look how cool I am. Sounds kind of like Hollywood today, right? Our celebrities. He was a celebrity in that day. And then there's poor Lazarus. The rich man never once cared about him. Lazarus had no wealth at all. In fact, Lazarus was not even middle class. You know, a lot of people say, well, oh, Lord, you know, I just want to live comfortable. Lazarus didn't even have that. He was at the bottom. He was in the poorest of the poor. He also had bad health. It's bad enough being poor, but his health was terrible, very bad health. He was a despised person who was living in a day when most people thought that having wealth meant that God loved you more. Okay, now not a whole lot has changed since then. A lot of people believe, well, you know, Lord, bless me with that crazy prosperity gospel. And well, you know what? The Lord made me rich. I must be doing pretty good. God must really love me. So back in that day, if you were rich, same as now, God loves you more. But if you were poor, especially with bad health, then they thought that meant that God must have rejected you for some reason. You did something bad. Oh, you're the sinner, not me. I'm wealthy. God loves me. God must have gotten mad at you because you would have more if you were if you if you were faithful enough. You'd be like me. That was the attitude they had, the wealthy. And so we were given this comparison here between these two men. One was at the very pinnacle of society. He was at the top. But poor Lazarus, he was at the very bottom. He was rejected and he was the most disrespected of all people. Now, remember, Jesus was speaking to Pharisees that thought that they had God's favor because they loved money, they were rich, they had position and title and power, and they thought, well, we are God's people for sure. God loves us. Jesus was telling them this story to show them where they ranked. Keep that in mind, okay? Luke 16, 22. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And, and, you know, friends, I want you to know that it's nothing to be afraid of dying. It's nothing to be scared of if you trust in the Lord. I mean, look at what happened to Lazarus. It says he was carried away by angels. I mean, how cool is that? I'd like to do that, okay? But it says for the rich man, it says. Look what it says about him. It says he died and was buried. Like, you're done. (laughs) (laughs) Lazarus was carried away by the angels. Uh, The rich man died and he was buried. Okay, moving on. All right. Do you see how we went from one extreme to the other? First, we had the rich man was held in high esteem. Oh, he's got purple, fine linen. He ate well. And then there's this, oh, this guy, Lazarus. Oh, he had bad health and dogs licked at his sores because he didn't, he probably didn't even have the the strength to to keep him away. And he begged for crumbs. Oh, I don't want to be him. Well, wait a minute. Now, all of a sudden you want to be Lazarus, don't you? 
You want to be carried away by the angels. What a great opportunity he had. Look at the difference between these two guys. So, you know that Lazarus went off to a good place, but what happened to the rich guy? Luke 16, 23. And being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. So this place called Hades, it's also known as Sheol or the grave. It's the place of the dead. It's where all dead people go when they die. Beyond the grave is called Hades. But the place of the dead was divided into two different compartments, so to speak. One was a place of torment, and the other was a place called Abraham's bosom, which means to be at Abraham's side. If you remember when John leaned up against Jesus, it was a sign of fellowship and affection. It was a sign of, oh, man, Jesus, I am glad to be here with you. And it's like, let me just get close to you, brother. And it, it was a sign of, of, of love. He was, John was glad to recline at the table with Jesus, up in Jesus' bosom. So the same thing is he was in Abraham's bosom. He was close to Abraham. It's like, I just died. And oh, look at this wonderful place I'm at. I am so glad to be here. Okay. So here's two men that are both dead. But yet while in the grave, they could actually see each other at a distance. It says he looked up and he could see them from where he was in torment. He could see Lazarus with Abraham, with believers, because Abraham was a believer. What a, wow, these two dead guys in the grave, they could see each other. Tell me more, Ray, this is awesome. Okay, let's go on. Luke 16, 24. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and you are tormented. And besides all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. There was a chasm, there was a canyon or some kind of a divide that was between the both of them, between the place of the torment and the ones in comfort in Hades, the place of the dead that nobody could cross. The guys in torment could not jump over to comfort to escape the flame. Nobody in comfort could jump over into the flames to try to rescue their buddies out of it to say, hey, we want you over here with us. Once you're there, you're there. So I want you to notice that the place this man was in, he was in the flames, okay? He was in hell. He was in the place of torment in the grave. I want you to recognize, though, that this man could think, he could speak, he was able to communicate his feelings and his thoughts, he could feel the flames hurt him, he was thirsty, he begged for water to cool his tongue. You see that this man had a conscious state, okay? He's dead, but he was awake, so to speak. It's death is not a dream world. You're actually conscious. You have all the same feelings going on that you have on earth. You're fully, you have a full sensory awareness going on. This man was in hell, but he had full consciousness going on. He could talk, feel everything, all the stuff. He was aware of his situation that his fate was sealed. However, Lazarus was not in the same place as him. He was immediately placed into the comfort of Abraham's bosom. 
he was placed where believers went in a place of comfort. And so both Lazarus and the rich man, they were both in Hades, both of them. They were in the place of the dead, but one of them was in the flames of hell, while the other, Lazarus, he was with Abraham and with other believers. Two very different places. Once you're there, it's final. You can't cross from one side to the other. Now, for those of you who believe in that crazy prosperity uh, theology out there about health and wealth theology, realize that it was the rich man with good health is the one that went to hell, not the poor guy who had bad health. I hope you understand this. These guys that are selling you on God give it to me and you have wealth. I've been to countries before where they preach this as their blanket theology over, over everything. That God wants you to be rich. Friends, don't buy into this. It was the rich man that went, went to hell, not the poor guy. Please understand this and stop listening to these pastors that tell you God wants to make you rich because he loves you more some, for some reason. Or that if you're not doing well and you do, you're not rich, then there must be something wrong with your faith. Stop listening to that. Listen to the word of God. That ought to blow the lid. Luke 16, Lazarus and the rich men. That ought to blow the lid right off of prosperity preaching here, okay? Salvation is based on the state of your heart inwardly. It is not based on your outward condition. Luke 16, 27. Then he said, I beg you, therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Okay, guys, this just floors me to, to read this. This man is dead, okay? He's gone. He's in the grave. He's in hell, but yet even still, he had a crystal clear memory of who he was, who he is, okay? But not only that, but his memory was very clear about people who were still alive. He still could remember people who were still walking around on earth up there that weren't dead yet. Now, guys, gosh, think of this. You have a dead man in hell who is thinking about people who still lived, okay? I want you to, that's one of my big points I'm trying to drive home today is not so much about hell, but so much about us who are still on earth, okay? Once this rich man realized he could not escape, his top priority finally changed. Oh, get me out of the flame. Let me come to you. No, you can't. Oh, please, cool my tongue. We can't do that either. Oh, could you do this? Could you do that? No, we can do none of these things. Finally, his priority finally changed. After a lifetime of everything being about all about himself, to suddenly he switched to it being about others. Did you catch that? Tell my family, he said. Now he's finally thinking about somebody else. You know, I, there's a phrase, too little, too late, right? And you know, the fact that he was able to remember his earthly life, that goes to tell you he could also recall every time he ever rejected the word of God whenever somebody tried to tell it to him. You've got a guy that's dead. He's in hell. He remembers people he used to live with that were still alive on earth. He has a clear memory of his lifetime. They're going to remember every time they rejected the word of God. Luke 16, 29. Abraham said to him, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, 
If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. Wow. Now, you got to consider the fact that Abraham was a very prominent figure in Israel's history because he stood as a representation of a man of God. And what's amazing was that the rich man recognized him. He, he didn't even live in the same time frame as Abraham, but he knew who he was. Not only are you going to have a clear memory of who people are in your lifetime, but you're going to recognize people that you never met before. I can remember at the Transfiguration, Peter recognized Moses and Elijah, and he didn't even live in the same time frame as they did, but somehow he knew spiritually by faith he knew who they were. So you've got this dead guy, this rich man in hell. He knew it was Abraham, and he called him by his name, Father Abraham. He knew who he was. And so you can see that this rich man was still against God. He still hated God because he literally argued with Abraham. Did you see that? The rich man had no respect for this man of God because he said, no, Abraham, no, you listen to me, Abraham. Even in hell, he still hated God, and he wanted to fight with God's man, okay? This guy had been so rich and so powerful for his whole life, he still thought he could argue and to get in his way, whatever he wanted. He never once helped Lazarus, the rich man. He never gave Lazarus any food. He never offered to help Lazarus with his health condition, with his disabilities. He never once listened to Lazarus's begging. And now he's the one that's begging. So his hatred against God is still evident, and he was amping it up to arguing with Father Abraham. How do you argue with Father Abraham? <laughs> he says, no, if someone goes to them from the dead, then they'll repent. It's the same thing that the Pharisees wanted of Jesus. Show us a big miracle. Show us this great sign, and then we'll listen. Okay, so the, the rich man was saying the same thing that was on the Pharisees' mind. No, no, no. Perform this big, big miracle act, and then they'll listen. Then they'll repent. But Abraham said, no, they won't. If they don't listen to Moses and the prophets, in other words, if they don't listen to those who are proclaiming the word of God, if they don't listen to those who are trying to preach God's word, then they will never, ever be persuaded, even if someone rises from the dead. Friends, I want you to catch this for a minute. I'm proclaiming the word of God to you, doing the best I can, just like Moses did, just like the prophets did. They did their best. But if you're not going to listen to this, then even if someone rose from the dead, that's still not going to do you any good because you will not listen to the truth of God's word. You know, I know a lot of people that say they believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. They they believe it in a mental capacity. They believe it in the head, but they never swallowed it down into the heart where it becomes a real faith belief issue. Abraham said, if they don't listen to the word of God, that those who are proclaiming it, Moses and the prophets, if they don't listen to them, then they will never be persuaded. They will never repent, even if someone raises from the dead. Those who will not listen to the word of God will not repent, even if someone rises from the dead, okay? Jesus told this story to a bunch of unrepentant Pharisees who refused to listen to the word of God that Jesus was preaching. They, didn't, they, had, they claimed they believe in Moses, but they had the word all twisted up into this crazy thing that it was never intended to be. They were not obeying it, and Jesus was trying to tell the Pharisees that the rich man in this story 
was them. Friend, let me bring something up to you. If you're not listening to the word of God being preached, if you will not believe or take the time to pursue God's word, you're in trouble. Jesus was trying to tell them the rich man in the story was them. In fact, later on, Jesus raised this guy from the dead whose name also happened to be Lazarus. It's like he's trying to throw a neon blinking sign in front of their face. Wake up. Look at what I'm trying to tell you. He's trying to show them that their lack of belief, you know, the Pharisees, they refused still to believe in the gospel message that Jesus told them about. They would not believe it. You see, this entire story boils down to just two different perspectives, repentance and belief. Mark 1.15 says, repent and believe in the gospel. See, it takes both. And all of this talk about Hades, all this talk beyond the grave, this takes me to something that Jesus said during his crucifixion. Luke 23 and 39. Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other, answering, rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward for, of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, see what he called him, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. <laughs> Jesus told the thief he was going to be in paradise with him when? When did he say it? Today, he said, you're going to be with me in paradise today. And so that very day, they would both die and they would be in paradise together. All right. Now, I want you to hold that thought. I want to fast forward you to three days later when Mary went to the tomb of Jesus after he died, only to find that Jesus was not there. Watch this. John 20 and 15. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say, Teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. Whoa, I want you to look at the timeline here real quick, okay? Jesus said to the thief that they would be in paradise when? Today, they were going to be in paradise. But then three days later, one, two, three, Jesus said he had not yet gone up to the Father. Okay, this means that for three days, Jesus and the thief went to a place called paradise. They did not go where the Father was at, okay? So where did they go? If they did not ascend to the Father, they went to paradise. Well, why is paradise not where the Father was? Because you would assume paradise is in heaven with the Lord God himself, the Father, Father God, right? That's not what happened. First off, to understand this, we have to remember what Jesus said in John fourteen six: I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, this means that nobody could go to the Father without Jesus Christ, okay? He had to make the way first.
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.